This edition of Coffee with Craig and James is brought to you by the Channel Futures MSP501, the largest and best ranking of managed service providers in the world. Is that dramatic enough? You like that? You got a great voice, Craig. I love to hear you just rock it. You got a, you're a great announcer. <laughs> That's outstanding, like a farmer in his field. Well, if that isn't some juicy content. Indeed. Circle gets the square. I'm going to pull some fast gotcha questions. Carry on, James. Carry on. You know what, Craig? That's a good call. It is another edition of the Channel Partners Podcast, Coffee with Craig and James. I am the editorial director of Channel Partners and Channel Futures, Craig Galbraith. Joining me, as always, in giving a big bro hug to the young feller, our news editor, James Anderson. James, how are you? Hey, Craig. Hey, bro. Nice to get a virtual hug from you today. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. And you know why I'm giving you that uh, virtual hug. I think I know, but... Let's let the audience hear. Why is that? Uh, It's to celebrate the coming together of our two media websites, Channel Futures, Channel Partners Online. Of course, this announcement has been out there now for a couple weeks. But uh, by the time we do our next podcast, uh, we'll be on our new home, ChannelFutures.com. What do you think of that? I'm psyched. Already been writing quite a bit for ChannelFutures.com. It's a great site. Solid content there to begin with, but now we're bringing together these two sides. I love this idea of covering all aspects of the channel all in one place. Yeah, excited for the diversity that we're going to have on this website. The unity of that is going to be good. The unity, it's such a feel-good. The telecom side of the channel, the IT side of the channel, coming together, it's just outstanding. Like a farmer in his field. Like multiple farmers in their fields, and they're like they're bringing bringing together their fields to uh, make crop. If that's, <laughs> I like where you were going. I'm not sure it ended in the right place, but uh, well done. <laughs> yeah, uh, tried. As we talk about channel futures, it's a good point as any to mention that this episode is dedicated to the channel futures MSP 501, the world's most comprehensive ranking of managed service providers. Craig. Absolutely, James. Oh, oh, and there's more news to tell you about on this podcast, this time about this podcast. What do you think of that? Uh, I'm intrigued because that's I'm associated with that. Nice, nice to get a little bit of a, of a, of a highlight there. What's, what's the deal? Well, let me fill you in, James. You can now find us everywhere. We are ubiquitous. That sounds painful. I went into my thesaurus for that one. It depends on whom you ask here, James. Uh, But what I mean is we can now be found wherever you get your podcasts, as they say. You already knew about SoundCloud and Apple, which I mention at the end of every cast. But now we're on Spotify. That's what all the kids are on these days, right? That that is indeed... Craig, I feel like Spotify is probably going to like go out of business like immediately after we said this because those Zoomers, they are always innovating. I feel like we'll get on TikTok and then TikTok will be obsolete when that happens. <laughs> yes, well put. We'll, we'll avoid the TikTok for that reason. 
uh, we don't want to bring anybody's uh, stock price down or anything, that's for sure. You know, we're also on Google Podcasts, TuneIn, uh, some others I'd never even heard of, uh, Owltail, Podbay, Player FM. Uh, we're even on a Swedish site called Podtoppen. Did you know we're big in Sweden, James? Well, I know you're very tall. I think they're very tall over there. I could see the affinity that they might have. I never really understood how the Swedish chef sounded Swedish. But anyway. So, um, guessing from the presumed age of that song that you introed with, I'm assuming that you are tormenting me about my loss in the music portion of Generational Clash. Is that correct? Every chance that I get, you know, we're not going to have a 91st episode uh, like this uh, ever again. So I wanted to bring up a, a yet another song from 1991. Great year. Wasn't there for it, but I heard good things. <laughs> All right. So we wanted to dedicate, as we mentioned earlier, a podcast to the Channel Futures MSP 501. Uh, so this is it. And it's timely for a number of reasons. Uh, first and most importantly, the application for the MSP 501 just went live earlier this month. And in just a moment, we're going to welcome in our own MSP 501 editor, Allison Francis, to talk all about it, including, James, everything you need to know to get on this prestigious list. And by I say you, I don't really mean you, James. I mean our loyal casties. I appreciate the clarification. You know, this is also important for a very functional reason, because mm. we expect our next podcast to be on its new home, channelfutures.com. Same podcast, different flagship. Of course, we're going to be on all of those podcast platforms that you mentioned earlier, but, you know, there's a lot of people that go to the website first to find the podcast. So, hey, that's where you're going to find it, channelfutures.com. Absolutely. And we're going we're gonna to keep reminding our loyal casties of this so that when they go looking for our podcast next time, they are sure to find it. We want every last listener we can get, don't we? Come one, come all. Let's <laughs> get this party started. Yeah, so this is all so exciting. Uh, you know, I'm not afraid to break out of my stereotypical Gen X laissez-faire attitude to express that to you. Yeah, it's kind of like what they taught us in the movie High School Musical. Like, it's it's good to break free. And, you know, society's going to want to hold you down, Craig. But you you got to express that. you gotta you got to let that out. And this is a, a place where you can do that. What movie was that? High School Musical. Oh, gotcha. Must be another generational uh, clash. Yeah, you know the, the classic scene where they're in the cafeteria and the, oh, yeah. the, the high school play, basketball players, like, don't want to sing and the like, the singing people don't want to play basketball or right. they do they all do secretly but they don't think they're allowed to you know oh yes yes and no doubt there were scenes in the school gym maybe in the auditorium uh in the halls of the outside the classrooms that sort of thing i'm making it look like i've actually seen this film we should write a screenplay craig these are some vivid scene descriptions <laughs> i like it i like it <laughs> Well, also on the show today, we're going to be talking to SAP's chief partner officer. Have you ever met a chief partner officer before, Craig? Uh, a few times. Oh. Okay. It's kind well, of common within this industry. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to be... Uh, where we're going to be learning about some of the initiatives SAP is taking on both in its industry and what it's doing with partners and the way it's working to grow its channel partner program. 
that is some good stuff coming up uh, just a little bit later. Uh, now, before we get into this interview with Allison, uh, some of you might say, hey, I'm not an MSP. What's in this for me? Which honestly, I feel like is what our casties say about everything on the show. Like, hey, it's Craig and James. What's in it for me? You know, because they're not us. <laughs> yes, yes. Good point. Uh, but my point is the MSP 501 program isn't all about pure play MSPs. We've recently added a next gen 101 list for companies that perhaps dabble in managed services. Dabble. Uh, this could be VARs, network service providers, and more. But, you know, it's not the core of their business. So this program is expanding a ton to include more partner businesses, including many of the loyal casties in our audience. Yeah, I mean, we got to be sort of intellectually honest here. You know, like everyone needs to be doing managed services. It's it's an important way to build recurring revenue. So I think it's really good that we have these two awards and that we're not saying, oh, only one group can be doing managed services. So I think it's important. I think it's I think it's key and uh, it's it's something to be aware of. And once again, it comes back to our whole theme of convergence uh, this year with the two websites coming together, uh, managed service providers getting into more connectivity services, uh, traditional telco agents dabbling in managed services. It's it's just it brings me back to the beginning of this podcast in our big bro hug. That, that's what it feels like. I, I'm feeling the love today, James. Uh, I feel the embrace. There's no doubt. So uh, why don't we say we get into this? Uh, and do you mind if I, if I take this one solo, my friend? You go for it, my my friend, my bro. You go for it. You're a very busy guy. All right, we couldn't have a podcast episode dedicated to the MSP 501 without welcoming in our MSP 501 guru, or is it gourette? Maybe we should just go with MSP 501 editor, Allison Francis. Allison, how are you? I'm great. I think you could go with gouress. Is that a thing? Oh, Gouress. Oh, yeah, I like that. We're going to coin that one. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. Okay, let's trademark it. Um, <laughs> so, Allison, why don't we just get started uh, digging into this a little bit with, with some real basics. I mean, I'm sure as world famous as the MSP 501 list is, not everyone in our audience uh, is familiar with it here. So uh, maybe just go back into the uh, background and the history a little bit and uh, tell us where we stand now. So the, the 501 is actually in its 14th year, if you can believe it. Um, and it has it has grown a lot since it's since its inception um, 14 years ago. So really simple background. Um, the MSP 501 is the IT channel's largest and most comprehensive survey and ranking of managed service providers uh, worldwide. Yeah, so every year, you know, MSPs kind of throw their hat in the ring. Uh, to be on this list, and uh, we're really excited about this year, um, as we are every year. Yeah, and as we noted earlier in the podcast, of course, the application for 2021 just went live here earlier this month. Uh, what can you tell us about that? It's uh, it's not one of these things, you know, we don't want to scare people, but it's not one of these things you can just check three boxes right. uh, and move on and, and get your application. We, we want uh, them to answer quite a few questions, don't we? Yeah, it's, it's pretty comprehensive. You know, we ask a lot of questions about, you know, what are your main services that you're providing this year? What are the biggest trends, you know, whether it's IoT or edge computing, um, you know, that kind of thing. So we, we do ask a, a lot of comprehensive questions, but it's all, you know, for the purpose of, of kind of getting that data and getting a really good view of the, of the industry. Yeah, and we wind up uh, putting together a report at the end of the year as well, looking at some of those trends. Isn't that right? 
Yep, every year. Um, and again, that's that's a really comprehensive report that kind of, again, gives you insight into the industry, uh, how other MSPs are, are running their businesses and their practices. And um, again, what the biggest trends are coming out of 2020 being the year that it was and, you know, just kind of looking ahead to, to 2021 and beyond that. So it really does give you a good idea. So let's talk a little bit about the methodology that goes into how we determine the 501 once everybody gets their application in. So this will be the second year using kind of our, our I like to say, new and improved methodology and, and judgment criteria. So let me go into that a little bit. Essentially, last year, we, we realized that judging solely on annual revenue uh, gives you a great idea of who the biggest partners are, but not necessarily who the best in class shops are. We really wanted to narrow that down. So we, we consulted a pretty sizable roster of, uh, let's see, partners, vendors, distributors, analysts, consultants, and other media experts about what metrics uh, they use to kind of evaluate the health of a partner. So we landed on a few metrics uh, to arrive at an applicant score, and that's kind of broken down this way. So annual revenue weighted by revenue stream accounts for 50%. Profit margin accounts for 25%. A percentage of annual revenue that's recurring accounts for 15%. And revenue per employee accounts for 10%. So that's that's kind of the shakedown. That's that's the really you know top level way that we're we're looking at this data and, and determining winners all right so one of the things last year that i thought was really cool is that we really started putting more of an emphasis on the msps that are i don't want to say pure play msps but they are really more into managed services now than just the standard vars that have delved into managed services uh, a little bit can you talk more about that so that uh, so we ended up creating two new lists last year to kind of address that. So the first one is the NextGen 101, and that recognizes uh, diversified partners with you know kind of growing MSP practices. And uh, the key here is the annual recurring revenues under 20% of their total revenue. So that's that's kind of the key thing for that list. These partners offer managed services, but the, you know they're also resellers, system integrators, um, shops that do project work, that sort of thing. So um, we kind of decided that these you know more diversified shops deserve to be recognized uh, in their own list. Um, so yeah, any applicant that met that that criteria was automatically moved to this this new list. And we also uh, broke out the SMB. We're calling it the Hot 101. We kind of felt that our, you know, our SMBs, a lot of them are kind of evolving and growing their own MSP businesses, and we thought that they deserved recognition in their own list as well. So we broke out the Next Gen 101 list and the Hot 101 list. The Hot 101. I think oh, yeah. we joked last year. It sounds like a radio station, it right? Really the Hot does. 101. It really does. Not a bad thing. <laughs> well, no, that's great uh, to be able to recognize a real diverse set of partners, both both these partners that are really hardcore into managed services, but also those who are dabbling into it, sort of just getting into it. And then those bigger shops, uh, some of the more traditional of ours uh, that are really big players in, in the community or, you know, network service providers for that reason, who also are getting into managed services. So we're reaching the whole community of, of MSPs and, and those that uh, sort of desire to be MSPs, if you will. Yeah. And look, we know, you know, change is never easy. Um, you know, just this new methodology, it was necessary. You know, it's we knew it was time to reevaluate, you know, our methodology and, and sort of align it with with market trends. So that's what we did. Uh, why don't we go over some of the uh, frequently asked questions? I know that uh, 
any survey and ranking of this size, uh, applicants are going to have a lot of questions and, and you can probably head them off at the pass right now. So what do you got? So a few of the key ones I, I definitely wanted to address, um, and this comes, you know, with just the application itself. There is a revenue verification form that we ask for, and that gets attached uh, near the end of the application. So what we suggest is downloading it and completing it before you even start on the online application. Yes, you can save your spot in, within the application once you get going. If you have your cookies enabled and you're using the same device, that's definitely key. However, <laughs> the revenue verification form requires someone who has intimate knowledge of your books to kind of review it and sign off on it and all that kind of thing. And that can kind of be a process sometimes. So we kind of suggest getting that done and knocked out before you even start on this. So it it's not a pain to to kind of rally that at the end. So, so um, Allison, if I yeah. were to submit my biweekly paycheck from Informa, would I qualify for the list? Would that would that work? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Great. That's that's all you need. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> all right. So, th so that's a good one. That's important information. Now, what else you got? So the other one, and this is again just talking about you know getting everything done and signed off on. Again, this is not a, a short application. We also strongly encourage folks to download and go through the the application worksheet. So we mm -hmm. offer both the revenue verification form and the the application itself in PDF form. So if you really want to dot your I's and cross your T's before you get started on the, the online application, we suggest downloading the worksheet, passing it around to whoever in your organization needs to go to, and then, you know, just completing the online application in one fell swoop. Yeah, that's a good one. Good one for sure. What else? Anything else uh, that you frequently are asked? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People often ask if they can edit their answers. Yes, you can go back uh, in the survey and adjust data as needed before clicking the submit button. But it is important to note that once you submit an application, we do consider it final. So that's something. If you want to receive a copy of your answers, we will also do that for you. Um, so when you submit, applicants who provide their email address, you know, when prompted, will receive a confirmation email that actually does contain a PDF copy of your responses. That's another question we get a lot is asking for their application. So if you have provided your email, you will get it. I think saving your work as you go along, that's an important tip. Our listeners will probably commiserate with me when I tell them that you sent me something, uh, a big long uh, piece of work here this past week, <laughs> and I entered it all in and, and then it didn't save. So that was frustrating for me. That's the worst. <laughs> that is the worst. Yep. <laughs> uh, one more? Yeah, we'll do one more. A lot of questions come around the revenue verification form, which is, again, fair because that is one of the biggest you know, pieces of this. So again, downloading it beforehand, completing it before you even launch into the application is, is recommended. The form must be completed with the revenue numbers you have self-reported and signed by a certified professional or member of your company's executive team. Again, that's someone with just inside knowledge to your books. The important part of this is you cannot submit an application for the 2021 MSP 501 with, without first uploading the verification document. So that's that's a big one. And that'll come at the end of the, the application. Okay, yep. that's all good stuff. We want the uh, numbers. Exactly. <laughs> all right, Allison. So I guess the last question probably that would be frequently asked is uh, when do folks need to have their applications in by? 
Yes, so that's the big one. So we are asking for submissions by May 24th. That's a Monday. So yeah, May 24th, get them in. All right, dig in, don't delay. You don't want to wait uh, till the last minute on this one because it's, uh, it's a thorough application, as Allison said, but it's well worth it to be recognized uh, in the MSP 501. Definitely. Allison, thank you so much for being here and uh, look forward to getting updates on the progress as applications start pouring in. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Craig. So, Craig, I'm back. Uh, what'd you talk about? What? Seriously, you weren't listening to any of that? Where, where did you go? Was, was that like the longest extended bathroom break in the history of this podcast? You no, know, I don't know why people keep shaming me for that. My girlfriend says I take way too long in there, and I just <laughs> think it's a natural thing. But anyway. <laughs> no, it, it was great stuff uh, from Allison. Really good to hear about the 501. Uh, again, that application having gone live earlier this month. You've got until close to the end of May to get that in, but don't waste time. Uh, it's... Uh, hefty application, as we said, but uh, we, we put a lot of stock into it, a lot of weight into your answers and uh, what you can come up with. So don't wait until the last minute. Uh, this is such a prestigious list and we want you to have every chance of getting on it. So uh, good luck with that. And speaking of things, they're going to be here before you know it. Uh, you know, it's not too soon to start talking about CP Expo homecoming in November. I couldn't agree more with you, my friend. Circle gets a square. So, as an aside, before we get started, was I watched that Spider-Man Homecoming movie, and this is going to be the complete opposite of that, because that was like the worst of the Marvel movies I've ever seen. Did you ever see that one? Uh, I think I saw, I mean, it's, it's the intro, right? It's it's the first one with, with Tom Holland. Yeah, I didn't yeah. see Far From Home, but I saw Homecoming. Yeah, it's like it's made for 12-year-olds, and nothing against 12-year-olds, but uh, it seemed like a pretty juvenile uh, Marvel movie, of course. All of the Marvel movies feature a bunch of characters dressed up in costumes, so probably I shouldn't judge. Yeah, it's kind of in. That's kind of my uh, uh, take as well. I'm definitely in the Martin Scorsese school of being critical of Marvel movies. That's just All my right. opinion. But yeah, you like a little edge to them. Like we like the the was it the most recent Batman series? I mean that that was that was good. Those were edgy. Oh, love that stuff. You know. There's just the the heaviness of it is what got me, and I feel like we can get into Marvel all day, but I feel like there's a lot of violence without consequence in that. Lots of just blowing <laughs> yeah. stuff up, and anyway, but that's I'm I'm very opinionated on it, and I I think people should be happy about what they watch. But what was the what was the like the analogy you're making? I don't even remember at this point. It's been okay. so long. Um, I I think what I was I was trying to say was that it's it because that movie was bad. Uh, it's not like the upcoming CP Expo Homecoming, because that's going to be an amazing event. Now, lest you think we're getting away from our MSP 501 theme, which is certainly possible due to my short-term memory. Prevagen anyone? <laughs> uh, MSPs and the 501 will have a big presence at our fall event. Uh, we're going to host our annual MSP 501 gala for the honorees. Of course, it was scrubbed last year since we didn't have a live event, trying to kind of wipe 2020 from my memory here. And we're also co-locating our first ever MSP summit with CP Expo. So that'll be three days of programming and events for MSPs running concurrently with the four-day channel partners conference and expo. So it's going to be two super events all in one place, Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas. I like that you're excited. I am. You know, this is going to be the homecoming that we've been waiting for. 
You know, people are chomping at the bit, including you and me, to get back to a live CP event. Uh, we're just in the early stages of planning this sucker. Uh, what's great is that with the show being later in the fall, we've got the time to make this absolutely amazing. It's not so easy being so amazing. Wait, wait. First the Swedish chef, now you're quoting Kermit and actually sounded like you were trying to impersonate him. Uh, is our theme today the MSP501 or the Muppets? You know, convergence, right, Craig? Why not <laughs> Why not both? I, do you know how much I love the Muppets? I, I, I'm a big fan. I am a huge fan as well, I, I gotta tell you. Uh, goes back to my childhood, but, well, even beforehand, the power of the Muppets just reigns supreme and transcends generations. Yeah, the word transcendent had come to mind. I think that's a, what a, yeah, what a beautiful commonality. Today. Yeah, we're going to have to figure out how to merge those two things together, the MSB 501 and the Muppets. I mean, the Muppets, it's already got an M, so we're, we're going to work that out. What was that? It's called the medium sketch. The medium sketch? Yeah, it wasn't rare, and it certainly wasn't well done. <laughs> well, I think, you know, back to the Channel Partners Conference and Expo, uh, I think what's great is that to be able to serve the entire channel at one event. We don't want MSPs and agents to feel like, oh, in, you know, is this my event or is, is that their event? It does not have to be mutually exclusive. So there's going to be programming and networking events exclusively for MSPs and also events that are particularly suited to the agent channel. And then there's going to be incredible opportunities to bring everybody together. Yeah, definitely. Much like what we're doing with the merge of our media sites, Channel Partners Online and Channel Futures. Have I brought this up yet in the podcast? I don't recall. Indeed you have. Uh, they will become one under the brand Channel Futures tagline, leading channel partners forward. That's launching in early April. You tend to bring it back to the media sites. I like it. Yeah, job security, man. Promote what you got. You know, it's been so long that some of the old favorites at our shows are going to seem pretty fresh. Like, remember the first timers reception, you know, where we kicked that off? I do. This other thing I never get invited to for some reason, the Alliance of Channel Women. Um, um, they're probably going to hold their event live. Yes, that's my understanding. Of course, the, the Alliance of Channel Women has really opened themselves up to uh, bringing more uh, men into their event. I, I've been a couple of times representing our brand. So, uh, you know, if you're looking for a ticket, uh, we'll get you set up. That's very kind of you, Craig. And of course, the Expo Hall, after so long away from one another, that thing's really going to be rocking. Yeah, it's going to be solid, uh, solid uh, experience getting to know some of those vendors, walk on the show floor, and really just breathing in those sounds of the expo hall. You you know how that sounds, it's just that rumble, the the oh, yeah. the echo, the oh, it's it's a magical feeling. Just the the humanity, the it's just it's networking <laughs> embodied. I think. Yeah. I'm curious to see how you're going to actually breathe in sounds. That that's is that like when you won the uh, Channel's Got Talent competition and you for licking your elbow? Is that a similar uh, similar trait you've got there? You know, um, my mother always told me that I was special. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Oh uh, well, okay. So well, I'm you know I'm excited about this show, Craig. But uh, while we're here on this episode, let's let's do our next interview so we're gonna be talking to carl farbach he is the chief partner officer at sap we are gonna ask him a few questions 
about SAP, SAP's partner initiatives, and kind of how SAP is positioning itself in an increasingly competitive space. Well, we're pleased to welcome to the show today Carl Farbach, the Chief Partner Officer of SAP. Carl, welcome to the show. We're glad to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Carl, glad to have you. Uh, I wanted to start with a little background, maybe for those folks in our audience who aren't that familiar with SAP. Maybe you can talk about how SAP traditionally has interacted with the channel and how that's changing. Very good question, and, uh, and and one of my favorite topics as well. So basically, if you look at SAP, right, I think we're gonna uh, we're gonna be 50 years very soon uh, as a company. So we have 50 years of history in the enterprise uh, applications business. And, and partners have been always super relevant to SAP. Um, it all started with um, services partners, right? Making sure that what we were selling to customers was actually creating value for those customers, right? The classic uh, system integrators. Then when we decided as well to go and reach other markets, we included as well the, the reselling business, right? Making sure that we have uh, partners that are selling as well in markets where we don't reach uh, so, so much, right? We don't have so, so much reach like for example in the mid-market space in certain geographies as well and that's traditionally those are traditionally the two uh, partner uh, engagement models that we have always had uh, from an SAP perspective very successful uh, we basically um, have 90 percent of all our, of our projects with customers done by partners so you see the the services component being very big and then from a reselling perspective if you look for example at the mid-market right what we define as a mid-market at SAP I would say that probably 80% of that business goes uh, through the partners, right? Uh, partners really selling our solutions to the market, doing the implementations and so on. And, and when I say that's kind of the past, it's because now we are really changing that because we believe that partners play a much bigger role in the success of SAP. So if we look at uh, where SAP wants to go, right? And, and what are the kind of the, what is the key KPI that we have as a company, which is basically customer success. We want to make our customer successful which is what really drives uh, uh, companies in the cloud. For in order to achieve that, we really need partners, right? And then partnering really has or becomes a much bigger number than just reselling or implementation services. And then partner really becomes a key element to drive innovation to the customers, to keep our customers happy, to make our customers renew, to make our customers adopt what they bought and the, and, and the, and the implementation projects that they were in, make sure that they can consume the software, and, and, and partners creating value as well. So uh, the partner role gets a much bigger, um, or is a much bigger element as part of the SAP strategy than just uh, how traditionally we saw partners from a reselling perspective or implementation perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Carl, I'm just kind of following up on that question. Yeah. Um, with our team, we're having a lot of conversations with managed service providers um, this week mm -hmm. talking about our, our MSP 501 awards. Could you talk about sort of your message to MSPs, are there any kind of initiatives on that end? For the managed service providers, um, they are already, especially as, as customers move to the cloud, they play a big role, right? So customers are taking their uh, software to the cloud um, on the hyperscalers, right? On, on the different uh, type of providers as well from a infrastructure perspective. And uh, as I mentioned before, managed services is a, is a big business, right? For our partners. And we continue to see that as well as a big business as we really move as well our customers to our new offering, which is RISE, right? With RISE, with SAP, we basically deliver a business transformation as a service um, offering. So customers can really find in, in one offering 
what they need really to move to the cloud and at the pace SAP brings them to the cloud, right? And, and they want to uh, move to the cloud as well. And then within that uh, offering, partners play a key role and, and actually they can play multiple, um, multiple roles there, right? Uh, we look at resellers to sell the Rise with SAP offering to our customers. We look as well at, at partners to take a, a services role, making sure that they implement the Rise with SAP offering and then continue as well to engage throughout the lifecycle of the customer uh, to make sure that they can add value, right? And we can um, increase adoption and consumption and then renewals uh, after after the journey. Um, but to, to your point, uh, partners play as well a key role in, in the whole uh, managed services element, right? So that uh, I think that offering is, is very partner-centric, right? When we look at the, how it was done and, 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 and designed, and then really to put it into practice, we really rely on partners to create that value for the end customer. And again, that can, can come from selling the offering. It can come as well from really delivering the services around the offering. It could come as well from innovating on top of our platform, but it can come as well from a managed services perspective. So as we really push Rise with SAP very strongly into the market, because we believe that's the right thing for the customers to move to the cloud at the pace they need, um, yeah, managed service providers will have as well a big role in, into the whole equation. So, Carl, that flows really well into my next question, uh, talking about uh, SAP's position in the market. Uh, Oracle came out last week, and they were pretty boastful about taking some more market share from you guys in cloud ERP. Uh, how is SAP differentiating yourself, and uh, what would you say to that? Well, I mean, it was a pretty similar statement um, a couple of quarters ago, or maybe a year ago, something like this, from, from Oracle. Um, I think we already sent a, a response, right? We really checked on in, into our uh, numbers, into our books, into our install base, and we didn't really see that happening, right? So we we don't really when we talk to our customers, we don't see them choosing Oracle um, to to take to move to the cloud. I I believe that um, many of our customers are as well in touch with hyperscalers, right? Um, and uh, and SAP as, as well, getting closer to them with initiatives like the one that was recently announced with Microsoft um, in terms of Azure. Uh, and then we obviously as well are listening to the to the rest of the hyperscalers are in, in, in touch with them. But to be honest, I don't see um, on a daily basis Oracle uh, in, in in our competition, right? It might be some cases where we have seen them for some specific use cases or customer needs, right? Uh, but I wouldn't say that they are taking a install base from us, right? So that's not something that I see. And again, uh, since the statement came very recently, we're going to look again our numbers, and I'm sure we're going to have as well a, an official response in terms of uh, looking at the details. But again, I, that's not something at all that I'm, I'm I'm seeing. What's our response to to the market needs? Right, obviously there is a move to the cloud that has been accelerated by the pandemic. Right, so um, customers really need to be digitalized now in order to survive and, and to be able to be good positioned in those kind of um, environments like the one we are in. And, and for that, I think our response was, was really to launch an offering to help our customers to move to the cloud, right? And, and make sure that we eliminate complexity, we make it easier for the customers to move to the cloud. And again, in that offering, we have as well multiple options to make sure that our customers can move at the pace they want. And I think that was a, a very a good response to, um, to the digitalization, to really the, the fast and the speed that um, the move to the cloud is taking and the response from the customers has been tremendous, right? We are working constantly with the user groups and we are working as well with the direct customers, right? In terms of how do they perceive Rise with SAP? And I think the, the response from them and the feedback we're getting 
is that it's exactly what they needed. Carl, one thing I was thinking about when we were when we were sitting here was uh, merger and acquisition activity, and we, we've seen a lot of that uh, in your partner ecosystem, uh, even despite the pandemic. Uh, yeah. With the end goal, of course, being access uh, to more customers for cloud migrations. Just was curious what kind of an impact uh, you see M&A having on the market. Well, when the pandemic started, I was actually, we actually created a COVID-19 task force um, to ensure that we could support the partners in, in what we expected to be a very difficult time for our ecosystem and for the partners, right? Uh, since we saw, we predicted that the economy would go down. Uh, all the um, indicators were showing that uh, it was going to be a very tough uh, crisis, right? But um, then we were, I think, luckily surprised to see as well that um, that was uh, the whole pandemic situation was driving a, a very fast digitalization uh, needs in in the market. And 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 in order to uh, to prove that, we have been as well continue to check with the partners where they are in this uh, whole pandemic situation. And yes, uh, it's not easy, right? Especially some partners that were probably specialized on some sectors like, I don't know, uh, a hotel, for example, or airlines in, in, in some specific industries. They have been probably hidden a little bit more, right? But actually, I hit a little bit more. But actually, the ma majority of the partners are doing well, right? And uh, I remember having a partner executive council at the end of last week. And uh, when we were doing the introduction round, right, uh, of, of Probably let let's say I think there were like fifteen or sixteen partners, right? The best um, and, and the biggest partners that we have in our ecosystem. Probably ten of them were saying it was our best year ever, right? So uh, I think the ecosystem is in a good shape, right? And obviously, when you see consolidation and you see as well acquisitions, is because uh, there is investment going into the SAP business. There is investment as well going into the SAP ecosystem, and I think that's a good sign, right? I mean, uh, if if there is someone really wanting to invest and make a current partner stronger, right? By acquiring them and, and acquiring as well the capabilities or maybe the install base, I think that's a good sign because it tells you that um, if there is money uh, and the investors want to really put it in a safe place with, with great returns, that's SAP and the SAP ecosystem. So I think that's a good sign. And um, and we actually, we see that as well. Obviously we are neutral about it, right? But when it happens for, for a good reason, which is most of the cases, we happen to see as well that the, the ecosystem is being strengthened as well from that perspective. That's really encouraging to hear, Carl. Just want to open this up to kind of your observations on the market. Um, what trends are you seeing, whether that was in 2020 or in 2021? Yes. So I think when we entered uh, 2020, right, we all, we're talking about not only 2020, right? I think the, probably the, the, the three or five years before that, uh, we had this topic of digitalization in front of us, right? So, and it was a little bit like the cloud, right? We had the cloud and we had as well digitalization as the, the things that would come, right? And then in certain geographies, like for example, the US, we already saw that the, the move was really going into the cloud and there was investment there. But in other geographies, uh, it was still... Um, the classic way of, of really running IT systems, right? And, and the cloud was not so growing so fast, right? But what we have seen now as a trend with the pandemic is definitely the need to um, to move systems to the cloud to make sure that everyone can access them from everywhere, right? And and make sure as well that um, the, the businesses are really taking seriously digitalization and then having a plan as well. So that's something that again. Companies were talking about it. Companies were uh, hearing about it. They saw this as something that would come in the future, but nobody really expected this to really come so quickly. And, and I think that's what we see now, right? A lot of investment in digitalization, 
a lot of investment as well in um, in the areas of, uh, of of cloud, right? Moving systems to cloud, and then obviously that comes as well with other related um, investments, right? Or areas that are growing, like security, for example, right? Or um, or software as well to to re- connect remotely, collaboration tools like Teams, for example, um, and and others, right? So we see that really a lot um, as a, as a trend that is really gonna be there for the next couple of years, right? So need to digitalize and the need as well to work remotely. Yeah, that's good. Anything else you'd want to add before we close, Carl? Yeah, maybe if you look at the ecosystem, right? And and you look at the, the trends, not only in the market, but in the ecosystem, what I really see partners moving into is the whole element of uh, of building IP, right? So um, you can take the VARs that we have in our ecosystem, even the system integrators that have been delivering services um, for many, many years, right, and being successful in the, in the SAP ecosystem. And the customers are demanding more IP to reduce complexity. So customers are really demanding more pieces of software that they can then take to the cloud or take to the next level, right, as they really move with their solution rather than just customize solution and, and partners really touching the core of their businesses. And we, we see as well partners really adapting to those customer needs, right? So that's something that in the ecosystem, I believe that uh, the whole area of innovation, right, the whole area of building IP versus delivering customized services and really adding the customer value through the IP is something that we're really seeing there. And for that, I mean, our response as well was to enable the business technology platform, the SAP business technology platform, to ensure as well that our partners can really build IP for the customers to really connect to their core systems, right? So that that's a trend that I'm seeing in the ecosystem which I believe as well that uh, talks about uh, how the pandemic was really accelerating the cloud and then the cloud was accelerating this uh, new business model as well for the partners. So that's very interesting to watch. And again, very uh, traditional companies like VAR, system integrators that really uh, had their business based on, on customized services are really moving there because that's the future. That's the way they can really help and create value for the customers to move to a cloud. Great insight into the market, SAP, and your partner ecosystem. Carl, thanks so much for joining us today. We really appreciate the time. It was my pleasure. Thank you very much. That was solid, Craig. Uh, Carl, you know, rolled with the punches there, and uh, I got a good perspective on on the market. Yeah, I loved it. And uh, we went international again. My understanding is uh, Carl was reporting live from uh, the continent over there in Europe. So uh, good to hear from him. We love to hear from the continent. And it was great for him to respond to the market share question, the competition with Oracle. That ERP space is one we're going to be watching closely for the next several months. All right, so before we wrap this podcast up, just want to remind you that this episode has been sponsored by the Channel Futures MSP501. And the reason that it is sponsored this podcast is because the application went live just a few weeks ago, and we encourage you to get that returned and in to us because we want you to be a part of our MSB 501 this year and participate in our gala coming up at CP Expo Homecoming uh, the first week of November. And if you're watching this on the Channel Partners website, just scroll down. It's like a few inches below. You'll find that application link or check out the MSP 501 page. You'll, You'll see that in the nav bar on Channel Futures. Oh, this more old fogey music, Craig? (laughs) Yep, another one from 1991, James, for our 91st episode. But there's more to it this time. We've given our casties 
plenty to talk about, as Bonnie Raitt might say, from the MSP501 to our CP Expo homecoming event to great stuff from SAP. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? You know, Craig, I can. There's nothing quite like a good, solid tie-in. I, I gotta respect that. You know, at least until you break out, you know, more old crud next weekend. I have to relive all the 1992 stuff, so... Oh, well. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, thanks for joining us today, everybody. If you'd like to check out the archive of Coffee with Craig and James, as I mentioned earlier in this podcast, there are now all kinds of places you can do it. Check us out on SoundCloud... You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn. The list goes on. Even that Swedish podcast uh, site that I mentioned earlier. Uh, Just type in Channel Partners or Coffee with Craig and James or anything associated with this podcast and we should come up. At least that's the plan. Thanks so much for joining us and we hope to get you next time on the new flagship channelfutures.com. Thanks for joining us, everyone. And happy conversions. Uh